Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And today on the show, we have two for the price of one. Yes, we have two great guests. Let me introduce you to them. Anne Albers, who was actually a guest on episode 220 of the show, is an international angel communicator, author, spiritual instructor, and modern mystic. Her passion is to teach others to tap into the power and beauty of our own souls and learn to connect with love and wisdom of their angels. In addition to her many books and CDs, Anne publishes a popular weekly newsletter called Messages from Anne and the Angels. Her website is visionsofheaven.com. Now we also have Debbie Johnstone as our guest, and she is a world-renowned and highly sought-after animal communicator, spiritual teacher, and mystic. Debbie works with animals on on an intuitive level, tuning into their energy. She is able to communicate with all species of animals, whether they are presently in physical form or in spirit form, and has found that sometimes our pets are angels in disguise. Her website is listentoanimals.com with the number two, listentoanimals.com. Now, what do they both have in common that makes me want to interview them both today? Well, besides being friends, they're both speakers at the upcoming Afterlife Symposium in Scottsdale, Arizona, which will be this coming September 2018. And on the Friday, as a special treat, the two of them are presenting at the dinner banquet. And it'll be held in the evening, and it will be called Touched by an Angel. So we want to talk about that. So I thought I'd have them on the show today and just have a few laughs, find out what they're up to, hear some great stories of why they believe in the afterlife. So Anne and Debbie, a warm welcome to We Don't Die Radio. Thank you. Thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah, definitely good to be here. Yeah, it, I'm, just, I'm so excited, and I know there's always a risk with three of us of tripping on each other's words, but we will do the best we can. I do know there'll be some laughter. <laughs> well, thank you both for being on, and uh, maybe, Anne, we can start with you and just give us a, a little bit about your background, about why you're into the world of the afterlife, and um, and then we can hear more from Debbie, and then we'll just go back and forth. Sure. Um, I was an avionics engineer years and years ago, and I liked it, but I didn't love it. So I prayed, God, you know, I just want to wake up happy, go to bed grateful, and earn a living helping people. And thus begin a series of dreams and coincidences and spiritual teachers showing up. It's way too long to get into. And I, uh, long story short, I quit engineering when I heard the voices in my head tell me it was time. You know, I'd been praying for it. So what are you going to do? Say no when you hear turn in your resignation the next day. So I quit. And I didn't know what I was going to do next. But to make another long story short, I ended up doing readings. I was psychic in the window at a local bookstore. And I was doing angel readings and Native American medicine card readings, where I would look at the animals of all things and, you know, read their meanings. And I'll never forget, uh, one lady came in one day and she said, well, what do my angels have to say to me? And instead of an angel, I had a little lady in spirit come by and she said she wanted me to thank this young woman in front of her. She wanted me to uh, tell her thank you for sneaking her bonbons and all sorts of other cute little stories. And that was my first adventure speaking to folks on the other side. It just kept going. I happened at the time to be sitting in the bookstore with another um, incredible psychic, Cheryl Booth, 
who had studied in the same circles as James Van Prague and other famous mediums. And she gave me some tips as we were going along to help me fine tune the radar, so to speak. So it just kept opening up and, and, um, it's been one of the most fun aspects of my job because as your radio show says, we don't die and the love doesn't end and there's joy and humor and lightheartedness in the heavens. And they just want to share that with us. Oh, it's beautiful. So and it's you've really beautiful gone journey. Yeah. You've gone on to do so much and help so many people. And I'm really proud that I get to have you back on. I know you were a guest on our episode 220 and it's a one hour full episode filled with stories with you, but it's one of my listeners' favorite episodes. So, um, you're a good woman. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. So are you. Yeah, thanks. Well, it takes one to know one, as they say. Now, Debbie, would you talk a little bit about you? And, um, I, I think, Absolutely. yeah, you have a little bit more time because we, uh, well, let, just talk. I won't interrupt. Share who <laughs> Debbie Johnstone is. I can do. Yeah, you don't have to rush. Well, I feel um, mine, okay. Mine, mine is similar, not not a whole lot different from Anne's. I started out um, early in my life. My earliest memories are about being two years old, and my best friend in the whole world was a little black cat with white feet named Boots, oh. and I thought everyone could hear him like I could, and um, I kind of uh, animals kind of were attracted to me. And around the age of seven, about five years later, my mother said to me, you know, Debbie, you're getting to be a big girl. You should stop pretending that you can talk to animals. So I did. I stopped and went to work. And I became also, I became an engineer. I worked in a financial institution. And um I did that for many, many years until I hit a pretty severe health crisis and kind of had an epiphany of like, I don't think I should be doing this anymore, kind of took charge of my life and I'm going to figure out what's going on. No doctor can figure it out, so I'm going to figure it out and um, decided that, uh, and I remember this date specifically on on September 11th, uh, I made a decision I'm leaving this job. Uh, I didn't do quite as quickly as the engine. Uh, it took me two years. I put a plan in place, and I went to see a healer who said to me in the first moment, um, do you want to talk to animals? And I thought, well, yeah, I do. And it kind of all turned back on from there. And so I spent two years working myself out of corporate America, taking a demotion, going part-time, uh, and working with uh, a couple of local rescues where I practiced. Um, I needed to practice for a couple of years, and then that's how I built my business um, from there. So I've been doing this full-time since about 2003. Incredible. Uh, And I am of the belief that there are more people that grieve the loss of animals than of people. Now I say animals as our I would agree. pets and companions yeah. and coming firsthand from a woman who had two cats that were so close in my heart. I've, I've not felt that pain because of that unconditional love, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's my passion. Um, my passion is working with people who have animals that are either on the other side or in the process of transitioning. 
um, in, in the world of animals, we have the ability to assist them to the other side. And many people find that decision very, very difficult. So um, animals don't have a problem in talking about that. And they'll actually request assistance sometimes because it's a little bit hard to unplug from the people that they love. And so at least 50%, if not more, of the work that I do is centered around um, the death, the dying, and the after process. And just like, like Ann said earlier, they, animals do not believe in death. From the, for them, it's just like a change of scenery and a change of uh, venue, and also they're just in a different form. And that's one thing that they want all of their humans to know that they love is that we don't die. So they don't have the fear. No, they don't. Not at all. They'll sometimes carry the fear and overwhelm of those around them. Mm-hmm. But when they when they connect into that, um, they most of the time they call it call it the energy of going home. Um, they call it all sorts of things, but for them, it's just moving back into their original home. And so they don't have any fear about it, but they also know many of them don't really want to leave because they have such a great relationship and that unconditional relationship they have with their humans. So sometimes it can be a little difficult, um, but all of them that cross over and when they know that their humans are grieving the way they grieve, you know, that big hole, they do what they can to make sure the human knows that they're still connected to them. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you have a favorite story or two of reconnecting a one of our animal companions I would say, with someone? Yeah, I have several, but the one that comes to mind right now is of a cat. Um, the little cat's name was Wolf and kind of an unusual name for a kitty. Yes, right. But um, <laughs> he, he was um, definitely, um, he had some physical issues, and he had some type of uh, very serious illness, and I can't quite remember what it was, but we did several sessions with him prior to him transitioning about what he wanted, how he wanted his medical care to take place, and, you know, if he wanted to continue going. And then at one point he decided that, I've, I've kind of had enough. I can't really take it anymore, and my body is getting weaker, and I would like assistance to move on to the other side. And we did many sessions, and he he did transition, and I heard from his person after he transitioned, and she said, this has nothing to do with you, but it's very important to me to know that I was actually talking to Wolf. And so I'm going on vacation. When I come back, could you see if you can find out something that only he and I would know while he while I'm gone? And so while she was gone, I connected to Wolf, and Wolf shared with me a couple of things that made no sense to me at the time, but I, I know enough to, um, like, take everything they give me and pass it on because you never know what's important. Right. And he showed the color pink to me, and then he showed, and he said the word panther, and then he said, I want her to feel that way again. I'm like, okay. And that's all he gave me. And when she came back into town, we connected. And I shared with her the information that he gave me. And dead silence. Then I heard crying. Um, and I thought, okay, well, that's definitely 
something that she needed to hear. And then she said, oh, you don't understand. Before he left, I spent so much time nursing him. I would sit in a rocking chair and rock him. And I also would work. And I had my cell phone. And I would rock him and work and take care of him and work. And and I changed the ringer on my cell phone to the Pink Panther tune. (laughs) Oh, wow. And then he said, she said, and every time it rang, I would laugh and giggle and I would hug him. And he said, and I want you to feel that way again. Oh, that's beautiful. That one, uh, that happened probably 12 years ago, but that one, that's kind of what they all want us to know is that they don't want us to grieve. They know that we will, but they want us to know that they're still with us, even though we can't see them. And that love never dies. It, it still is connected and exists. You know, out of the corner of my eye a couple of weeks ago, I actually saw my kitty, Millie, felt her jump up on my bed and snuggle up against me. And yeah, I was in a place where, you know, my mind was kind of blank. I was just kind of zoning out. And I just, with everything that I've learned and everyone that I've talked to, it's like, no, let's not chalk this up to imagination. Let's chalk this up to Millie is here with me. And so I reached out my hand and I put it, you know, where I always would. Um, You know, when I wrote my book, We Don't Die, Millie was sitting curled up next to me with her head on my keyboard (laughs) the whole time on my little laptop. So, oh, they're they're so special. Uh, Debbie, I just want to ask you when we're, you know, I I have another kitty at home now. His name is Harry. (laughs) And Harry Mm -hmm. is more about my roommate, who is my aunt, uh, than me. And, um, you know, when I look into those big kitty eyes, you know, it's so easy to brush off that, you know, he's not intelligent, even though I know he is. But do you have any words of advice when we're looking and talking or being with that animal companion of ours? Uh, can they read our thoughts? Um, yep. They can. Yeah, they they do. Um, they may get it in, in in a variety of ways. So information can come through in about six different ways. Uh, and... Just like we have preferences, they have preferences. So if it could come through in thoughts, feelings, being physical mm-hmm. feelings, or emotional feelings. I'm happy my back hurts. Um, I'm not happy that my back hurts, but those are the two types of, you know, those emotional or physical feelings. Um, thoughts, pictures, tastes, and smell, and sounds. So they generally don't communicate with all six ways, but they can communicate based on their personality in a couple of them. So it depends on how they like to communicate. You may actually pick up. I I know that anyone that has an animal at some level communicates with them. And so what I would test out is, you know, look at them. Just look them in the eye and talk to them. They're going to pick up some feelings. They're going to pick up some vibrations. They may pick up pictures from your head, but they may, may pick up thoughts. And in playing with that, you'll get an understanding of what works the best for them. But it's definitely that you can communicate in some way, shape, or form. You just have to kind of fine-tune and knowing 
how the information may flow. And it, it's going to be different with every animal because the personality is different with every animal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I do know I that, oh, sorry, let me just finish one thing. I do know that animals mm-hmm. are tapped into something because my aunt, first of all, my Millie, who I talked about earlier, was my love of my life. When Harry came in to our household, um, he's the love of my aunt's life and it's beautiful the the relationship they have he follows her around like a dog she goes into the bathroom he goes in to use the litter box you know everything happens at the same time that cat knows when auntie before she pulls in the driveway he will come running from his perch upstairs in her room and go to the window right by the uh, driveway and before she even like comes down the road to turn into our house he knows that she's arriving and it doesn't matter what time it is and it is so wild to watch it's like how the heck does this cat know so they're tuned into each he's other he's tapped in yeah. he's connected they're, they all are but I will tell you that the the amount of the way you see them really communicate is when you acknowledge that they can communicate mm. and for those people that have animals that don't really have an understanding of that, that level of communication, the animal will act like an animal, <laughs> but meaning that they, they don't demonstrate. But the more you can demonstrate to them that you really know there's something in there, there's this intelligence and this loving being, they will show you things beyond what's believable. And I, I have seven little dogs, and sometimes the things that they do, and I, I talk to them all the time, and they blow my mind sometimes. They're very tapped in, and, and they know. When you know, they know. Oh, that's great. And I'm wondering Hello. if you could share a little bit, because I, just to tie in with the animals, I think from taking myself a yes. few medium courses, you know, and how we can tap in to the intelligence of our loved ones that are in the spirit world i'm having the sneaky suspicion that um tapping into our animals intelligence is very much the same way you know we and i'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit first of all maybe there's a couple of favorite stories you have one or two about why you believe in the afterlife but also maybe how it is that um we as just people uh can maybe tap into and feel the love of our friends and, and loved ones that are in the spirit world around us, like the animals. Well, absolutely. And, um, you know, Debbie is 100% right. The more you believe and acknowledge, the more you're going to get the feedback when you say, hello, I know you're there. You know, try to try to find a sign. They're going to find one. I had two dogs as well, and they uh, loved the love so much that I, I joke that they outlived their bodies. You know, they, they absolutely wouldn't release until it was just so far gone that it was painful. But they, they, and they, they tell you, they look at you, they give you a, a sense of, I'm sorry, but I got to go now. So when I went to put my dog down, of course, I'm sitting there crying, even though I know we are you know, spirit and all this, but I, I was going to miss him. It hurts. So I'm crying. And the minute, the minute he left body, he, I felt this energetic sock in the gut. His spirit jumped in my stomach, spiraled up through my body, and I heard something like, woo, woo, because that, he was a wolf dog. And then I got this telepathic message, okay, let's go home, that's done. <laughs> and all I could do was laugh, wow. because 
here I am crying, and there he is in spirit looking at me like, well, I feel better now. Let's just go home. And that really is how animals handle things. They're, they're in the present. They don't focus on their pain. They, they really are have an amazing ability to focus on the love that's around rather than the pain. So we went home, and I laid down, and I felt a warmth next to me and sat there and slept for the first time in ages. Now, you can tell them that you like signs, too, because I love signs. They're fun. And the next day, I got in my car, and I said, hey, Bruno, that was his name. If you're there, give me a sign. I get cut off by a car that says canine taxi on the license plate. (laughs) (laughs) When my Labrador passed, the next day, I get cut off by a a car that says, I love cheese, abbreviated, because she was a -a (laughs) cheeseaholic. So it's just so funny. I went hiking. I woke up from a dream, and the two dogs are panting over me because I told them when they passed on, they could go hiking again because their legs would work. I get on the hiking trail. And the first dog we run into is named Bruno. What are the odds? So like humans, they're spirits, they're souls. They're a little more pure. They don't have agendas, you know, other than maybe to grab the chicken, you know, or something like that. <laughs> but, they, well, and they, um, they love to connect from the afterlife because, as Debbie said, they know they're not dead. Oh, that's great. Do you they a, really know they're not dead. Yeah. Do you have a favorite um, person, human being story that someone has transitioned and that you were able to reunite? Well, I, I'll make this one short. I told it on okay. your other show, but um, I needed to remove two very large mirrors from my bathrooms when I got them remodeled. They were 42 by 72 inches, and I'm a little over five feet. And it's just the timing inspired the contractors couldn't do it. So I said to my grandpa in spirit, who was a carpenter, what do you think? Okay, we can do it. And he starts showing me in my head pictures of you need two step ladders, you need to put um, a padding on the countertop, you need to wear your hiking boots because they're going to fall on your feet, you know, you need to start on this side. And one by one, step by step, he helped me get these huge mirrors off the bathroom wall without breaking them and safely. So that's one of my favorites just because it was such a humorous cooperative effort. Sure. But I've got so many. I mean, just a couple months ago, a friend whose um, relative was passing in a coma asked me to check in on him, and we conference called in a few of the family members and had a phenomenal conversation with a man who was in the middle of his transition. He was just waiting for his other relatives to reach the hospital before he would let go. And he was in a joyous, expanded state, like a genie let out of the bottle, and he wasn't in his hurting body, and he was aware of everyone at a distance. And when we all got off the phone, we kind of you know, talked to each other and said that was really wild because we all felt as if we were with each other. And we were experiencing that sense of connection the same way he was. And it's a beautiful thing. Once you get out of your body, you're not limited to space and time in the same way we are. You know, Think of your cell phone. Your cell phone has an ability to conference call in many, many people all at once. Well, once That's you get right. spirit, you got great Wi-Fi. <laughs> And you're able to connect with all your loved ones and to feel almost present with all of them at the same time. It's hard to explain, but it's a beautiful sense of not being disconnected at all. He could feel the people in in the hospital room. He could sense one relative in one state in the car. He could sense another relative in another state in her home. He could sense me. And we had that same experience. It was just a phenomenal conversation. And he was telling us that the light was like a siren, you know, it was pulling at him and he was resisting it because he just wanted to stay there for his family to, you know, the rest of the family to get there. And sure enough, he passed when um, finally the person he was waiting for came into the hospital. 
Isn't that interesting so how that was, happens? It's magical, yeah. And um, I know it's a little, I think it's the unknown that scares people. But uh, from I'm sure what Debbie's dealt with and I've dealt with and you've dealt with, there's more love on the other side than we can even put in human terms. And it's mind-blowing. It accepts everything in you. It doesn't um, judge you. It's, it's just you're seen in your perfection. Oh, that is a beautiful way to say that. Yeah, I would say that too. And and I've experienced through connection to animals on the other side, what it feels like. And I'm sure I can't even feel all of it because here I am in this physical body. And, And for the brief moments that they share this feeling to me, it's, it's a bit like, um, you know, you're you're on vacation for two weeks and you come home and you snuggle in your bed and you feel so good. That's what it reminds me of. But the the thing that I all I'm always blown away with is I cannot feel any judgment. It's like you're accepted for who you are, love. And that's the message that they keep sharing over and over. You know, mm-hmm. you can you can bring that to earth. You can bring that to the reality that you're currently living. Gosh, it would be great. That's beautiful. It's, it's, it's if we changed my life, actually. Yes. You know, I, I can I can sit there with things that in the past I would have judged within seconds, and there's an awareness that every soul is in perfection. Every soul is learning what mm-hmm. they need to learn. Hmm. You know, no matter how crazy people's behaviors are, you have to trust that their soul has something to learn from it. And the animals already know that, you know, it's a, it's a, yeah. they have to learn it a little bit better. Yeah. I love that because you can, for the most part, you can tap into any animal that's in physical form right now. And I truly believe they've been my biggest teachers um, in, in my whole life. You know, these animals that where they share, you know, this ability to stay out of the things that worry us and concern us. And they, even if, even in physical form, they're able to stay detached from that pretty well, um, unless they're trying to help their person, and they do that often. Like, you know, mom's really worried, dad's really worried, they're not feeling well. They'll try to take it on to help them feel better. Mm, they're good. Um, I want to ask you both a question about suffering. Somebody, I spoke a couple nights ago on a, a webinar, and um, people were asking me questions, and Someone had written in that they were going to ask me this question, and they didn't. And and one of the questions was, what is the purpose for animal suffering? And I thought, uh, and that goes right along with, well, what's the point of human suffering? Do either one of you or both of you have any thoughts on um, what parts suffering? Do you want to go first, Debbie? Sure. Um, I I know Anne will have some other information on this, but... From, from everything that I've ever experienced in every animal that I've ever talked to, um, that comes up often. And I don't get any different answer than I would from, I believe, from a human spirit. And that's animals are very, they orchestrate and choose their paths. And, and they experience things that they need to experience in order to expand learn and grow and help them reconnect back to the original essence of who they are, which is just pure divine love. 
and um, it it sounds very simple. Um, and many times you see them in very complicated situations where they and I do a tremendous amount of work with rescue animals. So they they've been in this rescue and then they go to this rescue and then they're locked up for months or years and and it's all about what their soul is is set up for them to experience. Many, many times, it's not a singular um, experience, meaning sometimes they make agreements with the humans in their life to help, and they, they, they have a, a, an agreement to experience something together. Um, I had an experience recently where somebody who does rescue work rescued a dog, and the dog had bitten several people, came to this this rescue place with safe and sound and started exhibiting like I'm going to be okay and I'm not going to hurt anyone anymore, became happy and relaxed. And then immediately uh, after that, he bit someone again and he had to be euthanized. I talked to him after the euthanization when he moved back into spirit and he says, oh, you don't understand. She saved me. I just needed to experience someone accepting me for who I was. And when I was in a safe place and I was loved unconditionally and somebody saw me for who I was, my life was done. It was time for me to move on. And he was very grateful for that experience. Yet the rescuer was heartbroken that she couldn't save him. Sure. Because she thought she needed to save his life. Yeah, and um, I can add to that, too, because I had two dogs that lived, like I said, past their bodies. They, they they had all sorts of conditions going on. One was so arthritic he could barely walk, and I had the whole house lined in pee-pee pads, and I had mats on the tile so he didn't slip, and, you know, we just did all the workarounds. And I, I asked him telepathically once, I'm like, why are you still sticking around with a body that painful? And he looked at me, he said, we know how to focus on the love. <laughs> And he said, the suffering I'm going through is working out some things I've dealt with in other lives. You know, in my case, this is going to sound as crazy as it comes, and I didn't even believe in this until my two dogs came to me, but the angels told me they were a little bit of my grandparents' souls, and they were coming to me for yep. healing and working out some family karma. And the interesting thing is that some of my dog's problems were very similar to what the humans had experienced. And all pain eventually comes from feeling disconnected to love at, at, at its root, no matter what lifetime it started in, it comes from feeling disconnected from love. Because if we could feel that love of the source all at every moment, we'd be healthy until we chose to just leave our bodies. We'd shut our eyes and just zip out when we were done. We wouldn't have to go through disease and dysfunction and all that. But uh, most love comes from, or most pain rather, in humans comes from trapped emotions and a lot of pain in animals may come from other lifetimes, you know, where they've had something go on, or it may come from some, you know, even traumatic experience this lifetime. And when the emotions remain trapped rather than flowing through us in a nice, healthy way, and I'm speaking of energy now, not biology, but when the emotions remain trapped, it's almost like a creek where the water can't flow smoothly. And this breeds an energetic condition where our biology starts to have problems as well. So pain is really originating in somehow 
being blocked to loving ourselves. You know, if if you allow yourself to feel all your feelings, to cry when you're sad, and you know, I take myself to my room and vent in my journal when I'm angry, then you're not going to suffer so much. You know, for example, I've had postedilial fecal valve several times when I blocked my emotions. That's a life-threatening, very painful condition. And the way I healed it really was to sit down and feel everything I'd avoided feeling. Hmm. So it's, it's, it's a tough thing because sometimes what happens is we stuff the feelings for so long yes. that it builds up and builds up and builds up and it's hard to even get in touch with where we started, you know, the roots of the pain. Yes, I, I get it. And it's crazy. We learn from our suffering. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't think anything's crazy. Well, actually I do. Sometimes I hear things and I go, <laughs> that's crazy. But then I'm like, look at the world you're playing in. And then I take a minute and I, and I look and I have heard stories of people that have, maybe their spouse has passed away. And next thing you know, a stray cat showed up in their doorstep and doesn't it behave you have some of the behaviors. So you just, you don't yeah, know. I'm hearing a little bit of scratchiness yeah. behind you guys. I'll do my best to edit that out when we um, when we air the episode. But I'm not sure what that is. Yeah, so sorry for our listeners if you hear some scratchiness um, behind. Well, I want to ask you both. You, I mean, all three of us are so lucky and honored to be speakers at the September Symposium in Scottsdale, which is September 13th through 16th. Um, and what are you each talking about individually? And then we can talk a little bit about angels. Well, we're going to share. Our, we, uh, honestly, yeah. Debbie and I uh, both exist in quite a, a flow, so we're going to share that the general topic is touched by an angel. Yes. So I know that by by September, we're going to even have new stories to share. <laughs> yes. So, you know, Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're also so each, I, I would agree. You're each yeah. presenting it. separately, too, though. <laughs> yeah, I, well, and I believe. I love that. We're winging it. Yes, exactly. That's like funny. Angels wing it. But I, I, think, I think it's about, we are trusting, and I know that's true. Everything you just said, I, I agree with. And, and it, you know, everything that is supposed to be shared will come through. But I think the story, I think there'll be a lot of stories that will um, yes. inspire and you can connect to and really help folks connect to the fact that um, angels do really exist, whether they're, um, you know, w- with fluffy four paws or you know, two-footed <laughs> humans, but, but they come and go in our lives more than we probably even recognize. Yeah, and I'd like to um, sneak in a little yes. exercise with people to help them understand how to connect while we're there. You know, they'll mm. be after dinner, they'll be relaxed. So <laughs> we can maybe sneak that in a little, little bit. That sounds great. It's not that hard to connect. It really just takes a quiet mind and a willingness to allow the spirit to touch you. So, you know, notice the the talk is not called touching angels. It's called touched by an angel. <laughs> oh, I, I, so I find this fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I really do because it's it's so nice to have the image that we all have this invisible team that's behind us and by our sides that help us. But besides asking for a parking space, you know, you hear that a lot. <laughs> Talk to your angels if you want a good parking place. <laughs> But, but there's not a lot of conversation that I've found out there about how do we connect with these divine souls. And are our angels different than our spirit guides? And do we have animal guides and angels? Absolutely. I would say yes, yes. And I, I don't really think they're different. I'm sure, Anne, you might have a different perspective, but I think they're all the same. Animals can be your guides. Animals can be angels. 
and angels can be animals. And sometimes they appear momentarily for a brief moment to assist you. Other times they're with you for a long time, depending upon what you're going through. And I, I see no separation, at least in the work that I do. And I think it's the same for Anne. There's no separation, you know, between angels and animals and humans. And, you know, it's all spirit. Yeah. And the angels often say the only difference between you and us is we know we're you. We know we are you. You know, they say if you would understand the true nature of reality, you could imagine that God's love is like the ocean and we're the waves. You know, each one of us is part of that, sourced from it. And yet, when we look across the room, we feel separate. I have to take just a laugh break. I turned around and it's 444 on the clock, which means <laughs> angels are with you. So anyhow, oh, that's there great. There we go. It's too funny. And, and, so, and yeah, I think, you know... Helping people to recognize, because I truly believe that everybody has this ability to connect to their angels, their, their spirit guides, their, their loved ones on the other side, whether they're human or, or animals, and that it's really not a complicated process. And sometimes it's just not having an awareness of how they communicate and what it feels like. So I think it's, it's really and, and, and the process pretty much works for the same for animals, for angels, for human spirits. Um, there are some differences in how they connect, but I think it will be very beneficial for people to walk, to go through this exercise and get, and have, understand that they have this ability. They just have to yeah, practice. You know, kids do it instantly. Yeah. I'll never forget this little boy. He, he comes up to me and goes, how do you be psychic? He was about nine. Uh-huh. And I said, shut your eyes. Because kids just do it. I said, shut your eyes. I said, okay, ask one of your spirit guides to come forward in your imagination. And he goes, okay. I said, who do you see? He described this as being. And then I asked him some test questions. I said, go ask him this and tell me what he answers. And he came back and he was all excited. So this kid would go around at my events and tell people, I'm psychic and I do readings for a donation. (laughs) (laughs) And he was really good. So he comes running up to me one day afterwards. He goes, guess what? I made $10. This lady asked if... She should get a divorce, and my spirit guide said, tell her she's already got one foot out the door. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) Wow. So kids, they don't have any blocks that say you can't, and so they just simply use the natural antenna that we do have. Yeah. By the time we get older, man, are there some blocks. And Henry Ford's got that great quote, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So if we really think we can and we can engage that power of our imagination and if they're right with us yeah who are they oh it's i love pretty it amazing yeah so and it's not that hard like debbie's in fact debbie's dog talks to me remember diamond <laughs> yes yes she does oh there's got to be some joke about diamond in the roof, <laughs> roof. <laughs> sorry she, no that's okay She's quite the energy. So, uh, yeah, she's, she's one of a, she's, she's just a very special kind of, and she's got a sense of humor and she's a bit cat-like in that she likes to have things the way she likes to have things. And she likes to communicate, period. Yeah, she's a trip. And um, I'll never forget, Debbie was watching something I was putting on and she passed a message from Diamond and I start heating up and animals are also aware that they are not limited to the physical body. Oh, good one. Yeah. So if, if, yeah. So if you go on a trip, for example, and you have living animals telepathically, you know, every day, just 
tune into them and tell them where you are and when you're coming home, and it, it calms them. They like that. That's and great. that's really good to do for animals that have separation anxiety. Yes. And I'll have people say, well, I don't know how to do that. And, you know, literally in like two minutes, I can share with them a very easy way to do it. And they start doing it and they're like, you don't believe this, but it works. I'm like, yes, I know it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Can you yes, give us a little you know, hint on what that is? You said two minutes. I'm sorry? I said, can you give us a little hint at what that is? I said, you said two minutes. Yeah, it was <laughs> very similar to what Ann said. You know, I, I, um, for, for physical animals, if they're not with them, you know, their separation anxiety, I say pull out a picture so you can really get their image in your mind's eye and, like, pull that image so it becomes kind of real and alive in your mind's eye and simply share with them, I love you, I'll be home shortly, I'm on my way, something very clear and short, and you do it a couple of times a day. You're not alone. I'll definitely be home. Um, but it's once you get that picture in your mind's eye and it becomes very clear, you've made the connection to them. It's that simple. Yeah. It's tuning in, really. I mean, it's just exactly. the minute you think about anything, you're actually tuning into him, her, it. You know, think of a lemon right now, for example. And the minute you think of that lemon, if you think of licking that lemon, I guarantee you, you're going to start puckering. Yes, right. <laughs> yep. You tuned into it immediately. So well, it's not much different with tuning into spirits, quite honestly. And that's great practice, whether it's your animal at home or somebody in the spirit world, tune into them mm-hmm. to communicate. People often ask me, you know, how can I communicate with my loved one? You know, I don't have a medium around or mediums are too expensive or whatever that may be. But, and that's all nice for validation, but just to know that your loved one's spirits are around you now. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, um, have you read Dr. Joe Dispenza's new book, Becoming Supernatural? No. Oh. But I I will now. Because, (laughs) well, it, it takes what we know in mysticism and it translates the scientific understandings of it. And there are exercises you can do to like squeeze and breathe all the way up the spine that have been, you know, part of mystical traditions in Hindu and Vedic and yogic traditions for a long, long time. They're starting to prove, well, guess what? It pumps the cerebral spinal fluid up. It puts pressure on the pineal gland that activates little crystals in your biology. I'm not talking woo woo now. And those crystals, they are pretty sure are what become the antenna that help us tune into the non-physical realms. Wow. Will you say the name of the book again? Becoming Supernatural. Becoming Supernatural. So the third eye that has been discussed in mystical literature forever, really, they believe now, is part of the pineal gland. And the Buddhist um, mystical traditions have believed that for centuries. So it's just exciting that science is beginning to show, just beginning, that our biology is wired naturally to talk to the non-physical realms that this is not just the jurisdiction of special people it's something each and every person on this earth has you know look at the animals that ran inland before the tsunami years ago how did they know how did they They know you know they knew because they were attuned to the earth's magnetic field and that magnetic field was filled with information that said you know run (laughs) i i have a funny story about tuning in once i was um going hiking and there's a special tree my friend and I like to visit. We call it grandfather tree and we telepathically communicate with this tree. Now trees don't speak in words, but they speak in energy. The energy comes in our brain and it gets interpreted. 
That particular day, Grandfather Tree said to both of us independently, go back to the car. Can't we come hug you? No, go back to the car. I said, well, we're going to come hug you anyhow, then run back to the car. It was a nice, beautiful, sunny day in northern Arizona. So we go hug the tree and, you know, by now lock me away, right? And all of a sudden on our way back, we were kind of taking our time. A cloud blew up out of nowhere and it turned dark and gray and it got huge. We started running and made it to the car as a monsoon cut loose. So this tree, through its biology, was connected with the natural universe. And somehow, through the consciousness that lives in every single one of us, had a way to send energy to us that we interpreted, which ended up being correct. And this just, to me, proves that biologically we're wired to tune into the energies of the non-physical world and the physical world. So anyone can do this, and it's not as woo-woo or complicated, and you don't have to know the science and Debbie was 100% right. It's a matter of just acknowledging and focusing. She's, it, it's almost too easy. There's no special, I mean, I have a process that I teach people, but I also tell people, you don't have to follow this process. This is the steps that worked for me. And ultimately, it's just about wanting and intending for that connection. And when it's your own animals that you're connecting with, and it really doesn't matter if they're in physical form or the other side, the process of connecting is the same. You're just connecting to the, just, you're just connecting to the energy. It's either in the physical body or outside the physical body. Mm, Yeah. I dig this stuff. um, Oh my. Oh, it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think I said this on your other show, one of the simplest exercises for a person to do, whether it's a pet or a person, is sit quietly on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be every day, but just pick a minute or two, a couple times a week, where you can sit quietly and just tell your loved one, I would like to experience your energy, I would like to feel you. And then during those one or two minutes, you give them feedback, well, I don't feel anything yet, or I feel a little fizzing, or I feel a warmth. And you don't take more than one or two minutes because the human brain will get frustrated, you know, if it's not working. So you just keep giving them feedback and trusting that eventually they'll figure out a way. And it becomes their job to figure out a way. And you do it and you do it and you do it. And eventually you'll feel a little warmth or a little tingling. I did it with my grandpa. Now I feel a warmth on my hand every time he's around. Like he's holding my hand. That's beautiful. And remind listeners, you you have been on, your other episode was episode 220, 220, and you went actually in great length about this, which is really a gift for all of us. And when we're at the symposium, you each actually are speaking separately on stages. Uh, I'm looking at the tentative symposium schedule, and Anne, you will be on Saturday afternoon with your Touching Heaven with Expanded States. I don't know if you know that's when you're going on, but (laughs) tentatively. I think I read it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So is that... um, So so at the banquet, we'll let heaven touch us, and then at my seminar, we'll stretch up a bit. Yeah, I just think it's great. think of it as, you know, that that picture with the two hands touching, that famous art picture. Yes, yes. We can reach to the heavens, or the heavens can reach down to us. And it's just a matter of taking your energy and focusing it and matching up. Wow, I'll be listening. It's like dialing someone on the phone. You know, when mm-hmm. you dial someone on your phone, the Wi-Fi is always there. The, the connection's always there. But what you have to do is you have to get the right number and the right person has to pick it up. Exactly. And you focus. Yes. And you really don't. One of the things that I think um, that many folks say to me is like, 
well, what about this? What about that? And I just say simply, you just need to focus and kind of don't pay attention to anything else but what you're doing and just let it flow in. And sometimes I really believe that people connect a lot more than they have recognition that they do. Many times when people are getting thoughts about spirits, whether it's an animal spirit or a human spirit, it's not because they've initiated the thought. It can be because the spirit has initiated the thought. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, when they keep popping into your head, that's a pretty good sign they're there. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Ooh, could I add one fun thing about animals that your listeners yes. might like? Yes. My dog yes. and spirit just says, tell them, tell them, tell them. Okay. <laughs> huh. I've got input here. I did not know this till my dog's passed, but my one um, came back to me after he died a while. He had been gone, well, not gone, but deceased a while. And he said, why aren't you petting me still? And I said, well, uh-huh. explain, you know? <laughs> right. He said, when you shut your eyes and imagine petting us or feeding us or doing whatever you do, we experience it in our realm as real. He said, really? I had no idea. And then the other dog comes and says, why aren't you feeding me popcorn still? So I shut my eyes and I imagined dumping a bucket of popcorn on her because that would have been like dog heaven. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She goes wild in spirit. So whatever we think becomes a thing in some dimension. And if we think of petting our animals or kissing them or you know, giving them treats. They tell me that that becomes in, in their, you know, other dimensional virtual reality, very real to them. And it has gotten to the point where I almost feel tangible with it. Mm-hmm. And I've taught this to clients and clients say, you know, I almost, I just about feel them. And it's, it's so comforting. I had have somebody ask me recently, can you ask them how do they get to me? And the animal says, all I have to do is think of you, and I, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. So the thought, yeah, the thought, the creating thoughts is what creates the reality. And that goes for people, too. That's the world that awaits yeah. us. I think it's actually the world we have now, but we have the clutter of the ego mind, and we're so busy with everything, and, you know, it's clouded. But I think that is the access way for all of our souls Right? Truly. Yeah. It's just a bit more visceral and real in the other dimension. Mm. Yeah. Debbie, your presentation right now is scheduled for Sunday morning, and yours is titled Listening to Animals. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you're going to be sharing when you do your presentation? Oh, absolutely. So, so to me, I've always said that you can learn so much by just simply listening to them. And we've talked a bit about that. And um, I'm going to share you know, some of the, the ways in which we can communicate with our own animal companions, how they try to, when we're not hearing them, how they will escalate behavior in ways that we don't always like <laughs> to get our attention. Um, and we'll talk, um, I'm also going to do a little uh, connection exercise probably towards the end so folks can learn to connect with their own animal companions. And I'm sure I'll have stories. Those are kind of, I feel like stories, real life stories are the way to really learn, um, really learn what real things is. It gives you an idea of, you know, the things that they're, the animals are trying to, they want us to know is through the stories. I think that's just a really great way to experience um, their intelligence and their beingness is through yeah. stories. Beautiful. And 
You've got thousands. I mean, she's got amazing stories. <laughs> now, unfortunately, not everyone listening right now is going to be able to join us at the symposium. But I always uh, think and request that even if you can't, check out the website afterlifesymposium.org because each speaker that will be there has a bio, biography, um, links to their websites, to their books, what they're up to. And I know many years ago when I started on my afterlife research journey that I had no idea that there are people on this planet doing what they're doing with science, with mediums, with uh, medicine, with the mystical, with just this whole world. And so while you might be listening going, oh, I wish I could be there, you can't. Still, I invite you to go to both um, ladies' websites and to go to afterlifesymposium.org. I meant to say .com before. It's afterlifesymposium.org just to see who will be there. Would you ladies each talk about your websites and what kind of things people could find on them and share with us the, the web links? Sure. You want to go first, Debbie? Sure. Thanks, Ian. So I have two. Um, I have my animal communication website, which is listen to animals.com. Listen, the number two, animals, plural.com. That will have many client stories um, about things that people have experienced in the client's own words. And it'll share with you how to uh, connect with me for a session and how I can assist you, you know, from anything from, you know, litter box problems to um, uh, animal that's not feeling really well. Or, you know, talking to your animal about life and death or a medical condition. Um, the other website is relatively new, 818lightworks.com. And that's, I have um, received, I received um, beautiful patterns of light that I transmit into pictures that I use for healing. And I think there's about 90 of them. I started receiving them back in 2009 and uh, they're just patterns of light that assist in in healing and helping people and animals feel better Hmm. it's interested to look at that and you don't need to have someone's animal with you 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 can talk to somebody on the other side of the world (laughs) right (laughs) no yeah and i do um um i thanks for i forgot about that so generally what i will ask to ensure that i get a connection to the right animal i'll ask for a photo I either do, um, I do mostly phone sessions and um, the personal, I talk, I talk, tell people I'm their translator. I don't translate French or German or Spanish. I translate cat, dog, or horse, basically. That's <laughs> so funny. <laughs> um, so I use, I use photos. Um, or for folks that um, I have known me for a while, a lot of people will do email transcripts. Well, we'll they'll say, can you check on my animal? every day around such and such a time because I'm going out of town and I'll send them an email. Um, so yeah, I, I don't need to be in person. In fact, I really kind of believe that um, being away from an animal when I'm communicating gives me strength because I don't pick up on the physical cues. Mm-hmm. So even when I talk to animals in person, I will have my eyes closed because I don't want to rely on the physical information right. by seeing them do certain things. Makes sense. Well, thank you That's for beautiful. that. Beautiful. And would you tell us about your site and what people can find there? 
sure. And I just have to vouch for the light codes that Debbie put up, those beautiful Uh images that transmit energy, because sometimes after I've had a long day, I'll go to her site and just look at a few of those images and feel the energy coming off them, and they're just beautiful. So um, highly recommend that. They're easy to look at, and they they do tend to – it's like a tune-up for your energy field. Okay. On my site, um, my site is in the process of getting upgraded now. So if you go to it, maybe you want to go back in a week or so and it'll be have some of the kinks ironed out. But it's www.visionsofheaven.com. And I have a weekly messages for Man and the Angels where I channel the angels. And then I include a section about how I'm using their wisdom in my life with some usually three or four tips as to how to very easily apply their wisdom to your life. And I'm... That's- going to, when I get this all straightened up here, have all the previous blog entries. So if people want to search a topic like self-love or the afterlife, they can get on there and do that. And then I've got products and programs and you name it. So it's just a a place where people can tune in. Your newsletter is one of my must-reads for the week. I have a lot of things to do and a lot to read. and But um, my I love the fact that you give, like, you know, try you know, this is what we're talking about, and here's like three steps that you can implement immediately. That's one of my favorite things ever. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's so Well, we need practical. Helpful. Well, we do. You know, it's nice to have books to read on this subject. I know I hear from the listeners. It's always, you know, if I go a while without airing an episode, people are knocking at my door. When's the next one coming? Because it, it helps us to stay connected. And so to get your weekly newsletter, yeah, it, it reminds us of who we are and what it's about. And there's some tools to help us on our in our journey. And that's well, I need it too. I mean, honestly, yes. I think it keeps me accountable because, um, you know, life happens. I'm busy over here trying to figure out new website laws and all that stuff. And you, you get a little lost in the mundane sure and you, you have do. to take time to just sit quietly and um, whether you sit in nature or whether you sit and listen to mu- beautiful music, whatever you do. But that commitment to taking time just in silence at times or in peace helps your connection with your loved ones exponentially. You don't have to meditate. You just have to take time where you connect to yourself. And if people did that more regularly, then the connection, or if they can, you know, even if it's a few minutes, I... I just spent a few minutes on the patio in the mornings, you know, enjoying the birds and everything. And that really makes a difference. That's great. Um, Debbie, any final, I was going to ask Anne any, um, or both of you to just look if there's any tool or tip that you could give. And I think that is yours, Anne, because that's really beautiful to sit in the silence. Uh, I, would, I would say that, yeah, the one, one of the things that I um, practice on a daily basis and this is a this is a technique that um, I one time I was um, at a school, um, a summer school at the Ming Society with children probably ages eight to twelve. And this is a something that you can easily do to help anyone feel better, including yourself. And I call it send them love. And I I just shared with these kids, we went and did this with the kitty cats because many were scared in the cages. And so we walked around and they would put their hand up and envision, you know, kind of think about something that makes you happy and makes you feel loved and allow that energy to kind of move from your heart down your arm out the palm of your hand. And Mm -hmm. that's all I said to them. And these kids 
you should have seen all the cats gravitating to these kids' hands behind the glass. It was just amazing. And you could just feel the energy kind of becoming happier. And so you can do that for yourself. You can do it for your loved ones. If there's somebody in your home that's not feeling well, send them love. Uh, But the key is to, you know, think about something you love first, get that feeling in your heart, and then just send it to whoever you feel like you would like to send it. Or you could send it to yourself, allow it to, to kind of bloom in your heart center and just sit in that space, very similar to what Anne was saying. Um, but if you have an animal not feeling well, that's a perfect way to help them feel better is send them love. I love it. And I love you both. And I'm so grateful that we had this hour to talk. I can't wait to give you each a big hug in September when we <laughs> see each other. And thank you That's both be fun. for being <laughs> guests today and doing this together. It I was a pleasure. It was fun. Yeah, really great. Thank you. You're really. welcome. It's a beautiful message. You're welcome. And for our listener, I want to thank you for spending this hour with with us. You have been listening to Ann Albers, my friend, and my new friend, Debbie Johnstone. They Ann's website, again, is visionsofheaven.com, and Debbie has two, listentoanimals.com, with the number two, and 818lightworks.com. They, along with myself, are going to be speaking at this Afterlife Symposium, afterlifesymposium.org. It's still in the early bird pricing, assuming you're listening in um, May or beginning of June, and it's not very expensive to attend, I don't think. I mean, I know there's a cost in air travel and hotels and things, but we really tried to make it reasonable. And once you do book your spot, there's a place where you can, it says, do you want to add on a banquet? And the banquet for Friday night is called Touched by an Angel. And the Saturday night banquet is going to be extraordinary, too, with host George Nori from Coast to Coast AM. So there's great things to do in the evening. And if you are someone like myself who tends to travel alone to these things, just know that it's a place where you can meet like-minded folks. Not you can, you will meet like-minded folks. Mm -hmm. You will end up walking out of there with some best friends that you can share these deep conversations with. And, um, yeah, you you don't really go to anything alone because you meet new friends. Never. (laughs) so fast so afterlifesymposium.org to find out more and as always our home base for this show is we don't die radio.com where now you can find 258 quality hours of commercial free interviews with wonderful people talking about the reality of the afterlife some help through grief because we know it's tough when a loved one leaves us in the in the flesh, and really how to have a powerful life while we're here. So we all are out to make a difference in your life. Um, you, the little pop-up screen comes up that says, Join Our Insiders Club. And what that is, is you get a free read of my book, We Don't Die, even though it just says free few chapters. The whole book's there. Uh, I have a very healing audio called How to Survive Grief. And then I did a... Um, I have a PDF file called How Sandra's Night. It's called, let me start over, deep breath. Sandra's 19 Reasons to Believe in the Afterlife. So mm-hmm. I've got a bunch. And um, if you read that and you're not open, 
for afterlife. I have, you got to read it again. Well, I think you would be. <laughs> so I want to thank you for taking the time to listen today. And in closing, um, again, my name is Sandra Champlain, and I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. And I do believe that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So from the lovely Anne, you know, she, I'm really left with sitting in the silence, taking that time for ourselves to sit in the silence. And then from Debbie, send them love. Just draw up an image and a feeling of love and let it flow out your fingertips to someone or one of our animal companions. So I want to thank you for listening and we'll see you soon.